0: Good music, I like that. All right. I can't live up to that hype though, so but, but that's all right. Hey, welcome everybody. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Out there online, how are you guys doing? Wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, I hope that you are in the middle of a blessed day right now, and I hope this day just gets better for all of us. Um, as Pastor Gabe said, I am. I am. Really, she used the word "stoked." I don't use "stoked" very much, but uh, "excited" is more the word that I use. Yeah, um, and I am. However, there's a certain amount of uh, of uncertainty that goes along with that. And how many of you know that when you just surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit and say, "I'm going to follow wherever you're leading," uh, that lends to a little uncertainty. You know, the outcome is going to be amazing, but the uncertainty about how we're going to get there, and, and that's where I am today. And so you guys are lucky enough to go for a car ride, and I have no idea where we're going. Um, I do know where we're going. The, the message is one of sin and redemption. That's what we're going to be talking about today. And I had my notes nice and neatly started, and I knew where I was headed, and then the Holy Spirit just started saying, like, look, I need you to see this. I need you to be aware of this and talk about this. And so then I said, okay, so I'm throwing out everything I've done and just following you. And he goes, no, I want you to say that too, but incorporate this. I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. So this is where we'll see what happens. Um, It's gonna be good though. There's a lot of scripture. So if you are out there online, grab your Bibles. If you're in here and you have one, uh, open it up and be ready. If you need one, I know everybody's got them on their phones, but we've got a basket in the back corner that's just full of Bibles, and we have more. So if you need one, you know somebody that wants one, please take one um, and give it to them. That's that's what they're for. There is nothing that brings life like the Word of God. Amen? So um, we're diving into Paul's epistle, his letter to the Ephesians. Um, And last week, we talked about this idea uh, where Paul said, be imitators of God. Remember that? If you were here last week, you remember that. Like, how can I be an imitator of God? And talked about the idea of complacency that sometimes we fall into by just saying, well, at least I'm the least sinful one in the room. I'm the least sinful one in my peer group or at work or or whatever it is, um, and as much as we'd like it to be, though, sin is not a comparative scale. You compared to somebody else. It's not like that. James, two scriptures from James that I shared last week, but I just want to get those back in. James 2.10, for whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of it all, all right? That sounds hard, and then this one's even harder. James 4.17, for, so for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. That's kind of a catch-all, isn't it? For you to say, oh, Scripture doesn't say I can't do that. Um, if you know it's wrong and you do it anyway, it's sin. Flat out like that. And it's such a lie to say, well, a little bit won't hurt anybody or those things done in private or said in private. As long as anybody doesn't find out about it, it really doesn't hurt anybody. But Paul teaches us, Galatians 5.9, he says that if you stray even a little bit, which he calls allowing a little bit of leaven into the dough, even a little bit of error can have really Serious consequences. Of course, he says that that consequences it spoils the whole batch of dough. But we know, we know the idea that leaven is the tolerance of even a little error. Now, notice he says allowing it. So it's not like it's a mistake. It's an accident. We allow just a little bit of error, and it can spoil the dough, which is the spiritual health of an individual and then of the church in general. Which is why then last week he gave us this warning. If you remember from last week, Ephesians 5, 6, 7, see that no one deceives you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Saying they they are straying and we know it. So don't just say, well, they're popular, they're influential, so I'll go ahead and just join in with them, and I won't make waves. He said, don't, don't do that, because all it takes is a little bit. So this week, Paul kind of picks up where he left off with a warning. That would, I would call that a warning, what he just said, right? But he's offering some encouragement now. And the encouragement, Ephesians 5, 8 to 14, that's where we're going to be. So chapter 5, verses 8 to 14 my Bible, uh, subtext that, living in the light. But there are many other ways that that's characterized, but I want to read it for you, and I want you to look at, is that me? Yep, that's me. Like, who's making that noise? Oh, it's me. Try that. All right, Ephesians 5, 8 to 14, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. As you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's the section we're going to talk about. Did you catch? There were several key phrases in there that we're going to dig into a little bit more. Number one, where he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light. And then, Do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness. And then verse 13... But all things become visible when they're exposed to the light. And then he says this, everything that becomes visible is light. That's interesting. We're going to talk about that. But it's the idea of a seemingly small error can have great consequences. But we're going to talk about what that means, what that but is. We've heard but God. We've heard that all the time and how there is redemption. But this is an example. Actually, I'm going to share an example with you of how a scripture can be misused. We've all seen scriptures that are, that many of us can quote them right off the top of our head, and they get used an awful lot, sometimes to justify things or to prove things or disprove things that really it's not what it was meant for. We have to understand the context. So here's an example of a scripture that's often used out of context in order to justify ungodly behavior. And it's Paul's words, 1 Corinthians 9, 22. Now, this is only the second half of it, which is why there's a B there. I have become all things to all people so that I may, by all means, save some. People use that to justify. I'm going to hang out with this biker group in a bar and drink. I'm gonna go gambling with my friends. I'm gonna to go to the strip club, whatever it is. And those are extremes, obviously. But context matters, and we need to understand that context matters. My friend Scott sent me this, and I think it's by no mistake yesterday. Look at this image right here. Life is short, lick the bowl. It's a reminder that, that's meant for the kitchen. Or you're making a cake, maybe. All right. It went over really well for me. You guys will be saying that to yourselves later today. But it's a reminder that context matters. Context matters, right? You see that in the bathroom? You're like, "Mm." in the kitchen where somebody's making a cake? Maybe a little bit different. All right, you can take that down. I'm going to use that again, and you guys are going to get it next time. But this is, that scripture, though, is often used to justify doing ungodly things in ungodly places, maybe with an ungodly mindset, in order to blend into a group. And we tell ourselves sometimes that we might have the off chance to witness to Christ in this area. But Paul didn't say this or do this to make his life more comfortable. In fact, his body bore the scars and the bruises and the cuts from being stoned and putting himself in uncomfortable places. He didn't say that and do that to make his life more comfortable. He said, I want to fit in, and if it risks that I get injured somehow, that's fine. It doesn't mean let darkness run wild in your heart doesn't mean that at all. It means to be the light in dark places. And that's how it's misused. People will say, oh, I'm just hanging out here to be all things to all people so that I might save some. Well, what are you doing? Are you witnessing to Christ in this place that you've put yourself, or are you just blending in? Paul never blended in. It's the shining light that saves, not allowing darkness to have free reign in our hearts. I found this image on the web and it, and it just this woman is in a cave. If you've ever been into a cave, Carlsbad or any of the big major caves that are out there, usually they will all do one thing in common. At some point they'll turn the lights off so that you can see how truly dark real darkness is, the absolute absence of light. And I'll tell you, when you introduce light back in to that dark environment, it is striking. It is incredibly obvious. Even the tiniest little pinhole or glow of a watch or anything is just startling in its contrast to the dark. You can take that one down. Matthew Henry said this, a Bible scholar. He said, sinners, like men in the dark are going, they know not where, and doing, they know not what. What this means is without the illumination of the light, you can wander around if you have no idea where you're going or what you're doing. And many people, unfortunately, live their lives like that. But it's the light of Christ that shows us the way. John 8, 12, Jesus' words, Jesus again spoke to them, saying, "'I am the light of the world. "'The one who follows me will not walk in darkness.'" But we'll have the light of life. We'll literally have the light of life. So with that in mind, I want to jump into a little bit more detail, verse by verse, of what Paul is saying here in this section. Let's look at verse 8. Gosh, I apologize for all my coughing. My, I have had a serious lung thing for months now. It's not going away. So, Ephesians 5, verse 8, 4 You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Remember last week where Paul talked about not just acting a certain way, but literally being that way. When he says this, you were once darkness, but now you are light. He's saying don't act like light in the world. Be light in the world. It's even more direct than saying, you once walked in darkness. That's, a, that's kind of a soft way to put that. Like, you once walked in darkness. Meaning, essentially, a, a good person who's found themselves in the wrong place. Right? You once walked in darkness, but now you're walking in the light. It's like, oh, I was good all along. I was just where I shouldn't be, but now I'm where I belong. That is not what he was saying. He's saying, you were once darkness itself, and thanks to God's grace and mercy, you're no longer there. Jesus said, if anyone walks during the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. That's from John eleven ten. 10. The light is not in him if you walk in darkness. So what's our solution to that? Walk in the light. How easy, right? Okay, you can go. It's not that easy, though. Ephesians 5, 9. Most, most uh, Bibles, if you follow along, it's in parentheses there. It's kind of a parenthetical thought. But listen to this. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what the light brings. Now, who here's got a KJV or a new King James? okay. Your translation probably says, for the fruit of the Spirit. That is not correct, just so you know. That word is phos or photos, um, which is light. In our context, it's divine illumination. So this isn't the fruit of the Spirit. This isn't the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. This says, for the fruit of divine illumination. Meaning? Meaning? When God illuminates something for you, shows you the path, shows you the truth, then that fruit will consist of goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what he's trying to say here. Ephesians 5.10, as you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Paul said this to the Romans, Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The only way to learn what is pleasing to the Lord is for to have him shine a light on it and say, there it is, that is pleasing to me, do that. That's the only way we can know. Now here's though where we circle back to kind of that, that one of those first highlights I gave you, Ephesians 5, 11, 12, do not participate in useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it's disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Let me explain these two verses together. It's fairly self-explanatory, but let me put a fine point on it by asking you a question. Put it in the form of a question. What things do you do or allow in your life that you would be ashamed if someone found out? Anybody here not have anything at all? Would you hand over your phone, unlocked, to your spouse? Would you? I think many of us would, and that's a good place to be. Would you be willing to share your browser history with your spouse? How about put it up on screen for all of us to see? Okay, I just lost about half of those people who were okay before. Now I'm going to lose the rest of you. How about things spoken in the privacy of your own home or maybe your car while you're by yourself? (laughs) I'm not looking at anybody in particular because we have all struggled with those things from time to time. We've all done that. We've all done it. But that, Paul is calling those useless deeds of darkness. Expose them. We shouldn't even talk about them. Don't think it's okay to tolerate those things in other people either. Well, I don't do them. I know they do, but I don't. Again, there's that sliding scale of, well, at least I'm the least sinful person in this car or in the room. Bible scholar named Ellicott put it like this. He said, there's many ways of abetting or taking part in the sins of others by commendation, by counsel, by consent, or by concealment. Listen to this. And if we share with others in their sins, we must expect to share in their plagues. Allowing it in someone else does not do you any good either. By the way, this includes even harder the things that you think as well. It's not just the things we say. Matthew 5, 18 to 20, but those things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and those things defile the person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, act of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies, and slanderous statements. These are things that defile a person. It doesn't have to just be something we do out in the open. It could just be thoughts. We have to be careful about allowing those things, those useless deeds of darkness, into our life because they do not bring light. Now, here is where the Holy Spirit took me on this giant U-turn. Not a U-turn. Detour, maybe, from where I was headed. Ephesians 5.13, I want you to look at this scripture, and we're going to read it very carefully because there's so much truth in here. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. All right, now let's talk that, leave that up there for a minute. Let's talk about that. Everything that becomes visible is light including evil things, things that were hiding in the dark? How many times have we heard it taught that when you shine the light on things that are in the dark, it kills them? Taught that? I've taught that. I've heard it taught. So how do things in the darkness, picture walking into the kitchen late at night, flipping the lights on and seeing bugs or cockroaches run away? Going into a cave where there's mold and just different things that grow in the dark. Rarely are things that are in the darkness, when you shine light on them, rarely is it a good thing, at least in context, right? (coughs) So we need to remember that the word light in context that we're talking about here means divine illumination. So, how does darkness literally become light itself just by having the light shined on it? Now, this is a great example of why Scripture tells us that the things of the Spirit are foolishness to those without the Spirit. Okay? Because they are, the Spirit is what helps us to understand them. Because science... And many, many sermon messages, myself and other pastors over the years, will tell you that when evil things are exposed to light, it kills them. Anybody have an argument over that in principle? think I got this image. Think about this image of these. Remember during the worst of COVID, and they still, they're still out there, these UV robots that would just drive around a store or something in the middle of the night and the UV light would kill bacteria, right? Kills 99.9% of all germs and bacteria and evil and nasty things. And that's what is generally accepted that happens when you shine light on things that live and thrive in the dark. It kills them when they're exposed to the light And without God's grace and without his mercy and without the redemption offered by Jesus Christ, that would be our fate too. Because we were once in darkness and the light has shined on us. Did it kill you? With Jesus, that's never the end of our story. Shining the light on darkness doesn't kill it. It exposes it and it transforms it into something better. The next words from Paul, the last section of this verse, before we go back into it, give us an idea that this section here is a message of grace and redemption and life. Paul says in verse 14, for this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So he's talking about, on one hand, don't allow dark and evil things into your life. Don't participate in them. Don't even go there. Don't speak about them. Don't allow them into your thoughts. Don't allow them into your head. But once you are awake, those things that are dark in your life will be redeemed. This is where many, many, many people who want to come to Christ struggle with it because they go, I still have darkness in my heart. I still think things that I shouldn't think. Many Christians here today think, I think things I shouldn't be thinking a lot. So what's wrong with me? Am I not really a Christian? Am I not really saved? Do I need to be embarrassed? Can I even come to church today? This is why it says... Arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And those things that are darkness will literally become light in you. Let me tell you what this is about. First of all, Paul's quoting Isaiah here when he says that last part. Isaiah 60, verse 1 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is Isaiah hundreds of years before Christ. And then Isaiah 26, 9, your dead will live, their corpses will rise, you will lie in the dust, awake and shout. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is as the dew of the dawn and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. He's talking about redemption from the dead, from the death that darkness causes. All right, let me try and make sense of this. I told you I'm taking what I Had discerned and what I had started down the path with, and what the Holy Spirit gave me. So, you're on this ride with me, trying to figure out where this all comes in. Let's look at the scripture again, kind of if we break it down into bullet points. We were once in darkness, but now we're in the light. Okay, the second one don't tolerate darkness in your life, expose it, expose it to the light. And when you do, that darkness itself becomes light. Are you with me? Still a little confused? Again, that that same scholar that I quoted earlier, Ellicott, he said it like this. When he's talking about this whole section right here, he says, the whole process is described with almost scientific accuracy as threefold. First, the things Or persons are dragged out of darkness into the light. Then they are illuminated. Lastly, they become light in themselves and to others. Anybody ever use something horrific in your background to bring life to someone else? We all have stories, right? The churchy word for it is testimony. What's your testimony? I was sleeping in a gutter, I was homeless, I was, I was angry, I was in prison, whatever, whatever your version of your testimony is. That's what scripture says we overcome with. Is our testimony, the blood of the lamb and then our testimony. Those stories of the things that happened to you, those experiences that were once in darkness with Jesus Christ are transformed literally by the light And become light itself to others. You ever talk to somebody who's gone through something like that? And instead of pitying them and going, oh man, that's terrible. I wish that didn't happen to you. You go, that's an amazing story of redemption. That's what light is. That's what redemption is. When Paul said this, Paul, Romans 8, 28, and we know that God uses all things together for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. We've all heard that before, right? But that includes using the darkness itself to show us our need for redemption, to teach us, to grow us, and to show us God's grace, both for us and for others. And it gives God glory and helps to lead others to Christ. So remember, it's all about the light. This whole section is all about the light. Remember Genesis 1-3, the third verse in all of Scripture, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He created light so that we would walk in it. That's why light was even created to begin with. And when we walk in light, we expose darkness and become ambassadors of Christ to this world. 1 John 5, 1 through 7. Let me read it to you. Again, 1 John 5. 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what the light does to darkness. So when it says we were once darkness, not walked in, we were literally darkness, and then we literally became light. Those things that were once darkness are not meant to be ashamed of and hidden away in a box and forgotten about because those very things have been transformed into light itself, which brings light and life to others. Those who were once in the deepest, deepest depths of darkness are by the grace of God forgiven and fully equipped to bring others into his glorious light through redemption in Christ Jesus. I say this all the time, but it is appropriate here. We don't curse the dark, we celebrate the light, his light in us. So let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that you use the darkness in my life, the darkness that was once in my heart, you use that to bring light to others. Not only to me, but to those I come in contact with. So, Lord, help me to not be ashamed of the darkness that was once in me, the darkness that I once walked in. But help me to celebrate your redemption, that you have literally turned those things into light that would shine for others to see. Your victory over darkness is complete when that darkness itself is used to bring light to others. So Lord, help me to see those things in my life where I am allowing darkness, where I'm tolerating darkness, and let me expose them to the light because then those very things will be transformed into light. Not darkness that I need to hide from, put away somewhere, hoping it never comes back out to get me. But those very things will become light that is life-giving. And that is what redemption in Christ is. And Father, I'm so thankful for that. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to go into communion right now. And if you're in that place where you just you're trying to root out those dark places in your life so that they can be transformed to light. We have a prayer team in the back. They would love to be able to pray with you. Sometimes it's just confessing those things. That's how we get them out into the light. We just confess them, we repent of them, and God does the rest, transforming those things into light. But sometimes we need help, and that's what the prayer team is for. Please take advantage of them. If you need to sit in your seats for a little while and just listen to worship music and let the words just soak over you, do that. And when you're ready, come up front and take communion. And when we do, when you take communion, what you're saying is, yes, I will allow those things that are darkness in my my life to be exposed so that Christ can do his work and transform them. When you take communion, you're just saying that. Everything that is in me, everything that I have, everything that I am, I am laying it bare and saying yes to what Christ is doing in my life. So if you're ready for that, we can move around. Gabe and I will be over here. Um, I'd ask Stan and Jackie if you could come over here and serve back there. We've got self-serve in the back. If you would like, take all the time that you need to just let the Lord minister to you because we all have those places that are dark in our lives and we're afraid to expose them to light because what if, what if this is the one, I had a conversation with a woman this week who said the things that I've done are too bad for the blood of Christ to cover. The things that I've done are too sinful and too dark for them to ever be transformed into light. church that hurts when people think that the blood of Christ is not sufficient to cover your sins it not only covers them but it transforms those very sinful acts into something else something that will bring life if we just let him the bigger the sin the bigger the light when it's all done and we can praise him for that let's believe that let's understand that and when we take communion we affirm that in our lives man. Thank you guys.